Hey everyone, it's Adam and you're listening to the Embrace Podcast. God is doing so many incredible things at all of our physical locations in South Dakota, in Minnesota, and also online. Learn more about Embrace and how to get connected at IamEmbrace.com. I hope today's message encourages you and inspires you. Let's jump in. Well, one of my favorite things in life is being a dad. I love being a dad. I still can't believe I have four children, by the way, but I do. And all four of my kids are a gift from God. Our God, he gives good and perfect gifts. But the truth is, the older my kids get, the sassier they become. And the more they think they know everything about everything. Like a few times lately, I've actually been shocked by how brilliant my kids are, like all the crazy people on Facebook, they seem to know all the answers to all the world's problems. Well, in these moments as a parent, and I've been a parent for 14 years, in these moments, one of the most effective tools that I've found in response to their sassiness is taunting them. It's taunting them. It's a very effective tool. I've also been told it's a very godly tool. I can't remember who told me that, but I trust them fully. Uh, I taunt them. And one of the main ways that I do this is by using the phrase, oh, snap. Yes, I'm very current and hip with my vocabulary, oh, snap. An example, the other day, my my wife told our kids to go clean their room. Well, in response, one of my kids immediately said, sassed back and said, why? My wife, because I told you so, without skipping a beat. Well, mom, what's going to happen if we don't clean our rooms? Her response, well, how about I just stop feeding you? This is where dad of the year steps in. And what do I say? Oh, snap. (laughs) Looks like someone better go get a job, right? Again, I'm an amazing parent. Feel free to use that. A word of warning, though. Sometimes your kids will take this taunting tactic and they will turn it around and use it on you. What an instrument of Satan, right? Lately, my kids have been asking for a cell phone, and, and a couple of weeks ago, one of my, my sons was pressing hard on this cell phone thing. He says, I want a cell phone. I want a cell phone. I want a cell phone. Finally, I said back, a cell phone? I didn't have a cell phone until I was 22 years old. Without skipping a beat, their response, Dad, that's because you're old, and you were born back in the old days. And then it was almost like they planned it because they said it all in unison. What did they say? Oh, snap, Dad. Looks like somebody's old. Clearly, my kids don't read their Bible nearly enough because I'm pretty sure one of the top 10 rules is honoring your father, okay? Pray for the eternal destination of my children. A fun fact, though, about this phrase, oh, snap, I found this fascinating. I actually, that's a true story. It's possible that this phrase originated back in 1910 in a children's book where a dog was named Snap. And in this book, someone said, Oh, snap to the stock. I love that. I don't know why. It's awesome. Take it to the bank. And then for decades, like 80 plus years, the phrase wasn't seen or heard. That is until 1989 when the great poet Biz Marquis sang the song, Just a Friend. Anyone remember the classic song? If you don't and you're my age or older, you're lying, okay? Sing it with me. You, you... You got what I need, but you say he's just a friend. But you say he's just a... I'll I'll stop singing. I apologize for that. Sadly, I love this song. I really do. And with this song, though, the phrase, oh, snap, had fully arrived. 
Just really quick for all the uncultured people in the room, what in the world does oh snap mean? Well, the trustworthy internet said oh snap is a playful expression of surprise, disbelief, joy, or insult. Once again, oh snap. Now often, switching gears, often when you think about Jesus, you typically think about Jesus being cuddly and warm, very straight-laced, almost boring, right? But the truth is, when you actually begin to look at the words and the life of Jesus, this can't be any further from the truth. I mean, so many times Jesus said things that were shocking. So many times Jesus said some things that were, were totally surprising. It's almost like, did J-Dog really just say that? And once again, in the words of the great poet, Bismarck, so often the only response to Jesus is to utter the words, oh, snap. And so today we are starting up a brand new series. And over the next four weeks, we're going to be looking at some of the surprising and shocking words of Jesus and what those words mean to each and every one of us. At one point, Jesus was traveling around and he's done some miracles and he's teaching the crowds of people about God and about what's to come. And he's now getting closer to the end of his life. When Jesus tells 12, 12 of his closest friends that soon he will be arrested and he will be killed on a cross. Well, Jesus' friends don't like this very much and they tell him, no, Jesus, this can't be true. No, Jesus, you cannot be killed. In response, so listen to what Jesus says. Jesus says, if any of you wants to be my fowler, you must deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And so Jesus says all of that. And then Jesus ends this little, this little, this little conversation. He ends with two questions, two rhetorical questions. Jesus says, what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your soul? And what can anyone give you in exchange for their Soul. Just to be clear, a person's soul is the core of who we are. Your soul is what makes you, you, and me, me. It's our center. And here is Jesus. And what does Jesus ask? He says, what would anyone have to give you in exchange for that? Like, what would be worth chain trading that for? Like, what is worth exchanging the core of who you are to another person? To be clear, when we exchange something, a good exchange is when two people exchange things that have equal value, right? Like when making an exchange, our goal is to trade something in hopes of getting something else in return that has a better or at the very least an equal value. Back to Jesus and this question, what is worth exchanging your soul for? The answer is so obvious, right? Nothing. Like nothing. Like, is there anything on this entire world, on this entire planet that would be worth trading who you are for? Like, is there anything that someone could offer you that would be a good exchange for your soul? I don't want to be rude here, Jesus, but this might be one of your stupidest questions you've ever asked. What's worth exchanging your soul for? The answer is so obvious, nothing. It's so obvious, and yet why does Jesus ask the question, because you and I, we exchange our souls all the time. All the time. We exchange our souls every day. Every day. 
So Jesus is like, I know that this is such an obvious, foolish question to ask. I mean, nothing is worth exchanging your souls for. And yet I'm asking you because you do so every day. You exchange your souls all of the time. I can remember a few years back, I got invited and asked to speak at one of my first conferences. And what a great ego boost, right? Speaking to a crowd of people at a conference. And this particular conference was in Orlando in the middle of February. And I was going to be speaking about Jesus. Like, is there anything better and more Jesus-like than this, right? It's one of those moments where it's like, I mean, I, I guess God, like if no one else is willing to go, I'm willing to go to Orlando and get paid to be there in the middle of February. Like, whom shall I send? You can send me Jesus, okay? <laughs> like, I'm willing, like, yes, anywhere you go, including Orlando, you know? The truth is, though, this was during a season that I was completely exhausted. Like, I should have never said yes. And I'll never forget it after yet another insane week. I got to my hotel room late on a Friday night in Orlando. And as I walked through my hotel room door, audibly, I said to myself, why am I here? Why am I here? Like, what am I doing? Like, I don't even like speaking at conferences. And now I'm, I'm lonely and tired and I just want to collapse and be with my family. It was like I was so tired and exhausted. It's almost like I exchanged my soul. Like, what was I thinking? How do we exchange our souls? We exchange our soul for, for something like money all the time. Just even those little lies we tell or the insane hours we work just to get ahead of someone else, just to get a promotion, just to close a deal, just to impress whoever. And it happens so gradually that we actually pat ourselves on the back and we're like, look at us, we're getting ahead. Look at us, we get another promotion. It happens so slowly. And yet as we do all of this, as we jump on this rat race, it almost feels like we're selling a part of our souls. Even with good stuff over summer, Anyone run from one thing to the next thing to the next thing, going and going and going and going some more. It's like we never miss Little League baseball practice and we, we never miss the mixer at work, but we can't remember the last time we checked the condition of our soul. We've been running so fast, always saying yes, never pausing just to look within. Folks, we're exchanging our souls and mom and dad, we're exchanging our children's souls for what again? For what? Other examples, and this is a little PG-13, something that's awkward to talk about is looking at porn on our phones. Like, what's the big deal about looking at a little bit of porn? I, I mean, I am a grown, grown man, and it's not like it hurts my wife if she doesn't know about it. It's not hurting the person on the screen, and yet the craziest thing is, when we, well, as we're looking at it, it almost feels like we're exchanging a part of our souls. And with sex in general, sex is so free and it's so, so exciting. And I get a thrill whenever, whenever I see her and, and get away with it, whenever I, I meet up with this, this, this guy. But yet afterwards, as I'm putting my clothes back on, somehow, some way, it almost feels like I've exchanged a part of my soul. 
And I'll never post that. And I, cause I agree that you can just have sex with whoever you want to have sex with, but, but deep down, it's the craziest thing. It almost feels like I've lost a part of me. Just our phones in general, myself included, we're glued to our screens, surrounded by people and yet never been more lonely. And as we're looking at this glowing thing in our hand, it almost feels like it's taken away our soul. And then there's the constant yelling and arguing with people about politics, about your, your views on the vaccination, about pumpkin spice lattes, about whatever the heck it is that we're arguing about in any given second. I'm not even sure what I'm upset about tomorrow morning, but let me tell you, I'm going to let you know about it. And then it's going to change by noon and change again by 5 p.m. And I'm going to yell in your faces. And sure, some of these things are important, but is it worth our soul? I know families right now in our church that are not speaking to each other because of crap. Just to say it, us adults, we need to stop acting like little kids. Grandma, you're sounding like a three-year-old. Dad, like a three-year-old. Best friend, like a three-year-old. And I feel like I'm talking smack about three-year-olds by even saying that. Whether it's addictions, money, relationships, popularity, or even good things like pursuing comfort and safety, whatever it looks like, we exchange our souls all the time, every day. Do you know the feeling that I'm talking about? This is that feeling of, why am I doing this? No one's forcing me. Why, why am I putting myself on this treadmill? Like, why am I doing this? Why am I okay with this? Or maybe it's like the more that you have of something, somehow, some way, the emptier you feel. So just to ask the question, what are you exchanging your soul for? You. Not somebody else. It's easy to look at somebody else. You. What are you exchanging your soul for? Is it worth it? Do you know that you are? See, the truth is, most of the time we, we make this exchange without even knowing. We make the exchange having no idea that we are. And as a result, we trade our souls for some things or a whole bunch of things that are infinitely less valuable. I'll never forget it. One time as a kid, my older brother wanted to trade me uh, for a football card that I had. I mean, I had a rookie card of a guy that I had never heard of. And he had a, a football card of one of my favorite Cincinnati Bengals, running back James Brooks. By the way, the Minnesota Vikings are going down today. Okay. I rarely ever want to say I heard from God, but I heard from God. Okay. God, don't kill me. And so I traded this mint rookie card of a guy I'd never heard of named Deion Sanders. Grieve with me, would you? Lord, why? Only one of the best athletes to ever do anything athletic. For a no-name Cincinnati Bengal running back, and I thought I had made a good exchange, but the truth is it wasn't. Like, I had no idea that this was a bad deal, that this was a bad exchange. 
Fun fact, I searched online. You can currently buy that James Brooks card for right around 20 cents. The old Deion Sanders, one guy yesterday was selling his for $1,000. I made sure it wasn't my older brother. <laughs> for all of us, though, so often we're exchanging our souls for James Brooks cards. It's crazy. Again, what are you exchanging your soul for? And is it worth it? Honestly, is it, is it worth it? Okay, so, so pastor, now that we're depressed and we, we feel foolish and like we're a bunch of idiots, how do we change this? Like how do, we, how do we stop exchanging our souls? Well, Jesus, truth is Jesus already told us. We read his er, words earlier. Just, just to refresh us though, listen to the words right before the two questions we just got done looking at. Jesus says, if any of you wants to be my fowler, you must deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. So how do we stop exchanging our souls for other things? Jesus says to deny yourself. Deny yourself. Just so it's clear and we're on the same page, deny yourself, it more fully translates to mean to forget oneself, to forget one's own interest. Basically to not think about you or just do what you want. I'll say it for us. Oh, snap, Jesus. Oh, snap. It's like, Jesus, I don't want to inform you, but this is 2021. And Jesus, so I, I, you're like, well, so, so like, why would I deny myself again? Like, why would I ever think about anyone but me? Like, deny my truth? Like, not do exactly what seems best and right according to myself? Jesus, why would I ever do such a crazy thing? I mean, I never say this to you, Jesus, but I'm actually pretty smart and, and I'm pretty great. And Jesus, I've, I've done my research, not to mention I was told on social media that I deserve everything. I deserve this and I, de I deserve that. And, and the world is all about making me happy. And I know exactly what will make me happy. And Jesus, it's not like I would ever even think about exchanging my soul. Jesus' response, deny yourself. Deny yourself. Truth is, this might be one of the most oh-snap moments in the entire Bible. Deny yourself. Yet what Jesus is trying to say is that this is so important. And the stakes are so high. Your, your soul hangs in the balance. And Jesus says that the way, the way to not exchange your soul is to deny yourself. Let's say that again. The way to not exchange your soul is to deny yourself. So what does this look like, right? What does it actually look like to, to deny yourself? Well, just to be as honest as I can, almost embarrassingly honest, in every area of my life, my natural tendency and desire is to be number one. To be number one. And by that, I mean, I want my preferences on my timeline my way. And when making decisions in every situation, I want to be considered first. And this might sound horrible, but I want what will please me, what will satisfy me, what will magnify me and my name right now. Right now. And others and what they want, they're second. 
and God and what he wants, he is second. Why? Because I'm number one. Newsflash, you're the same exact way. And so denying yourself, as practically as I can say it, is removing ourselves from the number one spot and putting God in our place. Denying yourself is choosing second. We're not forced to do this. We're not coerced. It's choosing second. And you see, when this happens, when this takes place, when when we choose second, we start to ask God, what are your preferences? And we're concerned about his timeline and his ways. And in every, every decision, we default to him in every situation in our relationships, with our career, in our private life, when we, when we talk about politics with other people, in every situation, we consider what God thinks first. And we begin to tell God, God, I want to please you, and I want to satisfy you, and I want to magnify you in your name with all that I am. Because it's all about you, and it is not about me. And when it comes to others, we choose to put ourselves second. And most of all, when it comes to God, when it comes to Jesus, we are second. Why? Because he is number one. He is number one. And folks, when we get to this place, what do we find? True wholeness. Full contentment. True peace, deep joy, no comparison, no striving. We find everything that we're searching for. Again, denying yourself is choosing second. Jesus says, when you do this, when you deny yourself, you will find life and you will what? You will save your soul. Oh, snap, Jesus. Here's the deal. When you deny yourself, when you choose second, everything about you will change. Your priorities will will be turned upside down. You will look foolish to the world around you. And I promise you, it will look like you're losing your life, but you're actually finding it. I promise you might think that you're exchanging your soul, but the truth is you're doing the only thing to keep it. And today, I just got to believe that there's a bunch of us here who, when we look at our lives, we are in the number one spot right now. It's all about me, myself, and I. And maybe our whole lives, or maybe this past year, or over summer, we've listened to ourselves. We are in control, and God is not. And so we've done what we've thought was best. And we've done what we wanted to do, what we thought was right. We've been chasing and striving and pursuing all these things, not even bad things, but things that we we were so sure would satisfy our soul. But the truth is, all the while, we've slowly but surely exchanged our souls. And as a result, I got to believe that, again, there's a whole bunch of us here who right now, we're just tired. 
We're running on empty. We're tired of spinning all the plates and trying to juggle 16 different things at once. And we're going to get asked ourselves, why am I doing this? Maybe we're here and we're angry. We're not even sure what we're angry about anymore. We're just angry at everybody. It's just like we're just waiting for someone to make a misstep in front of us so we can cut them off and hammer it in their face. Again, anyone here feel like they've exchanged their souls? Here's the truth. What Jesus is saying is you can't be number one and keep your soul. And folks, I don't know about you, but I've tried. I've tried so hard. Jesus has to be number one. You can't be number one and keep your soul. We'll try hard to search for life, and yet life itself will somehow elude us, and in the process, we lose our soul. If that's you, good news, Jesus just says, well, you know, what's the remedy? What's the, how, do we, how do we change this? Jesus just says, deny yourself and follow me. Choose second. Remove yourself from the normal one place and put me there. Follow me and you will find life and you will save your soul. Today, if this is you across campuses and network churches, if you're listening to this on iTunes, days from now on the treadmill, if that's, if that's you, I can't think of a better day than today. I can't think of a better time than right now to change this. And all it takes, the initial step is just telling God, this between you and God, even right now, just tell him, God, Jesus, I choose second. God, by your strength and your self-control, because I have little of those things, would you help me to deny myself? I step out of the number one chair and I put you in my place. You are so much better at driving my life than I ever will be. Jesus, today, I want to follow you. I want to find life today. I want to save my soul. Just takes that initial step. Let's pray. And as, as we're praying, if that's you, like, again, I can't think of a better time than right now. Just tell God, Jesus, I choose second. Just say it to him between you and him. Jesus, I, I, I choose second. Help me to deny myself. Help me from this day forward to follow you. Jesus, would you forgive me of my past, my sin? Jesus, would you make me a new creation? Jesus, from this day forward, I want to follow you. I want to save my soul. Gracious Father, Heavenly King, we come before you thankful for who you are. I'm grateful that you're a God who comes and meets us. Face to face, you meet us. And you speak to us in a way that we can understand. Jesus, we, we constantly are putting you in the nice safe boxes. We're constantly restricting you. And yet I'm grateful for the oh snap moments where we remind ourselves that you are God and we are not. Today, God, we choose second. We, we take ourselves out of the place and we put, we put you there. Jesus, today, all of us, we want to follow you. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus. All God's people said, amen, amen. Folks, today, if this is something you've told God, if you said, I choose second, you said it in your soul and you told it to him, we want to come alongside you in two different ways. First off, here at 57th Street, out in the entryway, we have stacks of Bibles. It's the translation that I personally read myself. It's a great version of the Bible, along with the I Have Decided booklet. 
They're out in the entryway. You don't have to talk to anybody. You don't have to pay for them. You don't have to sign an email address or anything like that. Just go and take one. We'd be so grateful for that. That's the first thing. The second thing is we would love to connect with you. We'd love to encourage you on this new journey, or maybe you're recommitting yourself to the journey of following Jesus. If that's you, text the word embrace to 97,000. We're not going to haggle you. We're not going to harass you. We just want to do anything we can to come alongside you in this new journey of following Jesus. Thank you so much for joining us today. If this message moved you in any way, be sure to subscribe to the podcast to never miss your dose of encouragement. You can also follow us on social media with the handle at I Am Embrace. Again, we are thrilled you took the time to join us today. And if you live anywhere near one of our locations in South Dakota and Minnesota, we would love to have you join us in person. You can find out more and start a conversation at imembrace.com. Thanks again for listening and have a great week.